0: At the core of what every youth pastor wants is they want to be able to disciple their students. No youth pastor wants to see students that are not discipled when they come into the youth ministry, you know, whether it's at sixth grade, seventh grade or, you know, their last year of high school right before they're done. When they walk across that stage of graduation, they want to be able to say, you know, I gave or I was able to you know, point them to Jesus and, and get them closer to Jesus in some way, shape, or form.
1: Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, to ultimately obey everything he had commanded. If we are to follow Jesus' example, we too are to make disciples. But how do we get students to not only believe in Jesus, but to obey his commands, to live a life of faith that lead to transformation? The answer might be right in front of us.
2: I'm Jeff Eckert.
1: I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory.
3: The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org.
2: Hey, we want to thank you again for joining us on The Thought Factory podcast. Also, for a little break that we had, it was spring break for us, we want to encourage you to go back and listen to our last episode, Jason. Right, which it was, was two weeks ago different. with Bill
1: Johnson. Yeah, we talked about how to approach a donor for money, asking what are some things that we can do, and be aware of when we are seeking someone who has means
2: and wants to give, and to connect them to the ministry that we are leading. Uh, it was so insightful, and I and I know that will be helpful for you. Because if you're working with students, if you're working in any kind of ministry context, you're always thinking about how can I get more resources to help students. So that was a key conversation. Yeah, yeah we
1: always have a tendency to go, if I had X number more dollars, what could I do? And, or how many more students I could bring to this retreat, this camp, whatever. There's always a need in ministry. And Bill really allowed us to ask him, as someone who has lots of money— ask them questions of what is it like to be approached, what should we be aware of, all those things. And so it's a fascinating, not only episode, but a series talking about money in ministry.
2: Yeah, and next episode, we have a really special guest, the president of the National Day of Prayer, talking about the National Day of Prayer, talking about students and the prayer movement and what we can do as youth workers to engage in what's happening in that movement around the country. He's an incredible guy unbelievable leader, you'll definitely want to check out that interview next week, which will, sadly enough, be the last episode we have before our summer break. Right. We are going to be taking the summer off. Obviously, we are going
1: to be traveling as an organization. We travel around the country for what we call NTS Camp, Never the Same Camp. Uh, We put on these camps on college campuses around the country in various states, and we invite and partner with local churches, and they bring their entire youth ministry And if you are still looking for a camp experience for your youth ministry with your students, your leaders, and you're wondering what is NTS Camp, you can check us out at ntscamp.com.
2: This is the time of year, believe it or not, it's kind of crazy, but we've got churches still signing up for the year. Right. This will be our biggest year of growth ever in the 19-year history of camp, which is pretty amazing. And internally here, we announced it on our social media a while back, but... um, we got a new camp director. I'm kind of the founder, but I'm stepping away a little bit. And this wonderful young lady's name is Ariana. I happen to know her really well. Really well. She's kind of taken over the NTS camp role. And we're just kind of stunned by the amount of growth we're experiencing this summer. So if you don't know anything about it, like Jason said, go to NTScamp.com and maybe visit. Come see us and see if it might be a fit for you and what you're doing with youth ministry. We love youth ministries. We love youth workers. And youth workers all come for free at NTS Camp. That's one of the things that makes us unique, among some other things. But we hope you check us out as we travel the summer.
1: Yeah, you'll find on the website there's states that we're in, the colleges that we're located at. You can email us at info at com, and just say, hey, I'm interested in checking out NTS Camp. I'm a leader at such and such church or whatever role you may be playing and let us know if you're a church and you're going, I am still looking for a week long experience camp experience for my students, my youth ministry. Let us know. We can get you registered and, and then you can start telling your students about it and getting signups and all that stuff. And just to clarify, when you hear camp many times uh, we have a tendency to think of just a regular camp out in the wilderness or tents and activities that involve outdoorsy type of activities like archery and and horseback riding and swimming we are a little bit different in that aspect of we go on college campuses we still provide activities high energy activities swimming is still involved in most places but we tend to be more of a high production conference for a week-long experience and so your students will experience um camp in a, a maybe a different aspect than what some students are used to.
2: We found that it's it's really a lot more universally appealing to every type of student that you would have in your ministry and that's that's really the the origin of how NTS camp started back in the year 2000. So we're excited to continue on with another great summer. Another huge development for us we shared it recently on this podcast is uh this uh Massive movement that we're building of students praying through Claim Your Campus. Over the summer, I hope that you continue to follow our social media feeds and hear about what's happening because we are, we're going into something pretty incredible. We talked about it a few weeks back on one of our podcast episodes, this uh, massive event on July 4, 2020. We're going to begin mobilization for that this summer as we travel. But as we come back into the fall, as you uh, go into your ministry season, I want to urge you to go to the Claim Your Campus Facebook page, follow that, and continue to stay up to date because we're doing a national press conference on July 4th this summer about uh, 2020, and we've got this incredible announcement to make about a partner that's coming on board that's very historic for this movement. And, And just in brief, this... This event will happen on July 4th weekend in 2020, two years from now, and we are mobilizing 10,000 school campuses to have students there representing their campus and being mobilized to have this moment with God to be mobilized into a movement on their campus to uh, advance the gospel through prayer, through serving, and through sharing their faith. So we're excited about it. We hope you uh, continue to join us for that. And you can also go to ClaimYourCampus.com slash CYC2020. So go to that website. Today we have a special
1: guest. We are discussing students and the Bible and how they come together. And our guest today will discuss that more in depth. So as a collectiveness of the audience, I want everyone to hold out their arms for a handshake. Oh. And audibly shake the hand of Lindsey Gordon. How do
2: you audibly shake a hand?
1: You just have to you just do did? it. To, yep.
2: Oh, because they're listening, so it's yeah. audible. yeah. Gotcha, okay. We've never done that before. No, Sounds no, this is the first weird.
1: time. So I I hope that everybody listening just raised up their hand as if they were going to shake Lindsey's hand.
2: Now, just for the record here, we, me and Jason were just on a cruise. Not
1: just the two of us. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> our families, families, wives were there, some other people on staff. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> That sounded kind of weird didn't it? <laughs> We went on a cruise <laughs> We left our families <laughs> behind Like those two guys That we laid next to <laughs> we That were... was really tanned Oh yeah so anyway, make sure you So you guys were on one. a
0: cruise
1: <laughs> So we hung out on the boat Do you shake
2: hands you got your left hand out Lindsay.
0: i'm left-handed right oh.
1: exactly so i didn't know if you shake oh. hands left-handedly okay you could do left hand
0: typically no one else does
1: yeah exactly so that's why if we're going to confirm what we hand we're did. asking the audience we need to confirm that okay. Lindsay actually shakes hands with the right lefty. hand yeah oh even though she's a lefty
0: okay three percent of the world
1: yeah brilliant it's just three
0: mm-hmm. percent
2: wow my wife is a lefty
0: Wow, she too is brilliant. Did she go on the cruise with you?
2: Yeah. Lindsay Gorvet, good to have you with us. And um, tell us a little bit about your journey in youth ministry.
0: Sure. So I graduated from school and uh, my husband and I got married right after we graduated and moved to uh, the east side of Michigan and started working at a church there. And I was uh, the student pastor there for a little while um, over a middle school and high school students. And then uh, a couple, about a year ago, started to kind of feel a call away from that church and um, into maybe something else that God would have for me. So we started to talk about what that might be.
1: Have you always been interested in working with youth?
0: To be honest, not always, but I feel like God was preparing me in ways that I didn't even realize. And now I look back and I see kind of how my path has led to where I am now. And um, once I kind of came to that understanding and realization it was pretty apparent that there's nothing else I should be doing.
2: And your role at that particular church you're talking about, it was in near the Detroit area,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that your role at the church wasn't originally with students, but it kind of evolved into that. Talk a little bit about how that happened.
0: So that's what I mean. It just was not always my thing, but I've always felt a pull to it. I just never felt like maybe I had the right gifting to do it but a situation came up where the youth pastor that was there needed some help with some of the giftings that I have and uh, some of where I was weak, he was strong. And so we formed this partnership where we both were working with students and it was just super great. Um, and, and I really loved being a part of it in that way. So that's kind of how it came together. Not necessarily what I thought, but um, my senior pastor at the time kind of challenged and, and called that out of me. So
2: and and from your own self-assessment, you didn't really feel like maybe you had some of the right gift mix to do youth ministry. What, what were some of the things that you were able to see as you made that transition? And yourself, what did you see?
0: Yeah, I was just afraid that students wouldn't like me, and I was afraid that they wouldn't think I was cool when you're with students, you kind of, it's hard not to like jump right back into some of those feelings that you had or insecurities that you had when you were in high school. Like, are they going to like me? Are they going to want to be a part of what I'm bringing to the table for them and what I've, what you know, the gospel that I'm presenting to them. But, uh, God just showed me that if you're faithful and if you love them the way that he wants them to be loved, uh, that that relationships will form and, and God will move in those contexts.
1: And they will confirm all those fears.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. You know that
2: old mantra? I don't know if we've ever mentioned here. It's one of my favorites. I heard somebody say it one time is when you're working with middle school students, the question they're asking is, do you like me? High school students are asking, do I like you?
0: For sure. So
2: I think you're very right. <laughs> I spent the majority of my time working with high school, and that does seem to be the way they approach relationships with everyone but particularly adults I would yeah say. they
1: will make sure that they communicate whether they like you or not pretty pretty blatant oh
2: yeah you will know yeah. so you did it you began to work with students and then you sensed a little bit of a transition away from that then what are some things that happened to lead you in other directions
0: there were some things going on at the church, uh, that we were at at the time that my husband and I started to feel like maybe we should explore, uh, what God was having for us next. And we didn't necessarily know what that was, but, uh, we really liked being over in the West Michigan area and kind of had some friends over here. So we started to pray about maybe being over here and, uh, Position opened up for my husband, but there was no position for me. So we were praying about where I would land ministry-wise, and then uh, had a interesting encounter with somebody on this podcast that led to my new job.
1: I'm going to take a guess. It wasn't me.
0: It wasn't you.
2: It wasn't. No. Oh, no. Must have been me then. I well, guessed right. So we were at a conference. Mm-hmm. You and your husband were there. His name is John. And he's a great guy. We were talking, and he was telling me about some of these doors that were opening. You're sitting in a seminar, and I think you get a text, right?
0: I did. I got a text that said, Jeff needs to talk to you right now. Leave the seminar.
2: And it wasn't me texting you in third person. <laughs>
0: it <laughs> no, it was John, my right? husband. It was John. He said, Jeff needs to talk to you. Leave the seminar right now.
2: And so you had to walk out in front of everybody.
0: After I said no. He said, no, uh-huh. Jeff really needs to talk to you.
2: I think, yeah, because I think, yeah, I remember talking to John. and He said, uh, now she, she's not coming down. And I said, I'll tell her it's important. <laughs> <laughs> and then you did.
0: I did. Just took I felt, another
2: little tip of the Coke machine.
0: Yeah, I felt very awkward leaving the room, but I'm glad I did.
2: Yeah. So you left the room.
1: You know, that conversation that you guys probably had after you left the seminar probably could have still happened.
0: Five minutes After. later, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it needed to happen then. It was, <laughs> it was
2: then or never. You know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> right now, let's do it right now. There's no waiting. So we have the conversation uh, that opens some doors, and what did God begin to do in your heart? I think it's of interest.
0: We started talking about some things that were happening at Never the Same, and a couple of weeks before that, when we, you know, John and I hadn't fully decided that we were leaving our church, but we had sat down and, and made a dream list of, of what our ministry roles would be, which is kind of a funny thing to do because no ministry job, you know, is perfect. But we were making lists of where we felt like our giftings were and, and maybe how they could be used in ministry. Um, but as I made that list, I thought there no way that, there's a place that would fit and, and hit all these boxes. And then as Jeff, as you started to share some of what Never the Same was doing and some of the needs that the organization had, I, I started to get really excited and feel like this is something that I could see myself doing. And as we looked back on that list, John and I did, I saw that it hit pretty much every box that of the things i would written down.
2: So what were some of the things on the
0: list? Uh, A place where I could still be in student ministry, but not necessarily in the local church, because John had pretty much accepted this role, uh, even though we hadn't fully resigned yet. He had pretty much accepted this role where there wasn't a student ministry position open for me. So I knew it would have to be something that was unique, um, a place where I would be able to be, this sounds funny, but be outside a lot, which I get to go to camp every summer now. So that definitely hit that box and just a place where it was a healthy, flexible work environment where I liked who I worked with and liked what I did and was making a difference.
2: So that, yeah, I think, I just think that's interesting. So if you're out there listening and you're thinking, trying to discern how God moves, I think you writing that list, I just think that's interesting because sometimes we think, well, I have, and I've had this in my life, I know we all have these eclectic pieces that don't really seem to fit together, and yet God can do that in our lives if we allow Him to, and sometimes it's just opening our mind to accept, hey, something like being outdoors and being in youth ministry, but not in a local church, and other things I know that that are on your heart all fit together in what you're doing now, which is amazing.
1: So Lindsay, you're obviously now on staff with Never the Same. You have accepted the role to be a part of our our team and really allowing some of those boxes to be checked. You are in a a unique role. You are able to do something very unique. What you are doing is what we feel is changing students' lives and changing churches and allowing you to really see a vision but also go after the vision of student ministries. And so We'll hear more about that after this break.
3: Hey, Dan Seaborn here from Winning at Home. I've had the privilege of being friends with Jeff and Jason. Uh, Jeff, known as a youth pastor comrade for many years, Jason effectively uh, made a difference in my daughter's life. Let me just say something. This thing they developed, the NTS camps, never the same. I believe that statement so true. These guys are pouring their heart and soul into make a difference in the lives of teens and effectively in the lives of parents as well. And I want to encourage you, I endorse them fully, get your kid to these camps because if they go there, they won't be the same. They will come home with a different attitude, different spirit, everything you're looking for, that's what they're going to come home with. And so I challenge you as a parent, I challenge you even as a teen, consider it because I believe this will make a mark for the kingdom and a mark in your life. Check it out. I highly encourage you to pursue this because I believe it will be effective in furthering the walk of your family with the Lord Jesus Christ.
2: So, Lindsay, you're here on staff and never the same. And as Jason shared, you're doing something very significant. In fact, I would call it, it's a paradigm shift in how youth ministry is done. It's been of interest to many people. And in the process of coming on staff, you've been able to connect with hundreds of youth workers all around the country in many different contexts, huge churches, massive megachurches to small rural churches with no paid staff, any kind of youth ministry. What are the things that you're learning? What are you seeing? What's happening out there?
0: Right after I came on staff, like three weeks after I got here, we left as an organization to travel all over the country for camp for a summer. And so while sometimes that felt a little bit overwhelming, Jeff, like you said, I got to meet with a lot of people that I never would have interacted with besides those certain opportunities. And what I learned is that, and it's something that maybe I didn't learn for the first time, but it just kind of resonated and clarified for me that at the core of what every youth pastor wants is they want to be able to disciple their students. No youth pastor wants to see students that are not discipled when they come into the youth ministry, you know, whether it's at sixth grade, seventh grade, or, you know, their last year of high school, right before they're done, when they walk across that stage of graduation, they want to be able to say, you know, I gave or I was able to, you know, point them to Jesus and and get them closer to Jesus in some way, shape or form. Um, But the reality is that we've just been overwhelmed. Our youth ministry culture has been so overwhelmed with so many different systems and, you know, uh, tips and tricks and maybe fast tracks to discipleship. And, you know, it's like weight loss. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time and it takes uh, effort and intentionality. And so I just have seen that there's maybe this this starvation in our youth culture where students need discipleship and they're not necessarily getting it.
2: So you're saying that you're talking to so many youth workers and at the core of their being, and I would say this for me as a youth worker too, is we want to see students become disciples of Jesus. I think the tough part for all of us is how do we do that? How do we help students become disciples? Because before we were recording this, as we sat around and talked, Jason, you mentioned there's a difference between, even like when we work with students, we want them to be believers. There's a difference between saying that and saying we want disciples.
1: Yeah, it's a much different mindset when you just present the gospel and you have students respond to it and, and place their faith in Jesus. It's, that's a great decision that they make, but ultimately, deep down for us who work with youth, we go, we want to take them from that moment of decision to follow Jesus, and we want to see them be disciples of Jesus. And so those decisions, as great as they are, we can't keep them there. We want to bring them further along and where they are living a life following Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. And, and so we just go, how do we do that
2: as youth leaders? That's at the core of us as youth workers. We want to see disciples. So Lindsay, and in interacting with all these Adults, what do you? What conclusions are you coming to about how to do that? How do we make disciples? How do we see that happen? What are the, what are the ways that we move that forward in our ministries?
0: I said in that, uh, in that earlier response, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a brand new thought for me because, like you guys have both said, I mean, being in youth ministry, I experienced this too. Is the that was that book uh, that came out when I was in high school. Uh, not a fan, Kyle Eidelman, I think wrote it. And it's about not a fan, but a follower. So it's like, how do you bring students from just, you know, doing it because it's cool or because their friends are there to being fully sold out followers of Jesus. And what I realized in conjunction with, you know, what I talked about, about all these different programs and how we try them and they don't work, or we spend this money and it's, not, we're not getting that like return necessarily on what we want is that, um, you know, we've gotten away from the most basic form of discipleship that. Uh, is laid out for us, and that's just being engaged in the Bible. And so, there may be that we've missed this key uh, fact or facet of of what it means to be a disciple is being engaged in God's Word regularly and learning about who He is and, and walking in step with Him.
1: There's a lot of youth workers that get caught up in the programming, the the fun aspect, the just gathering to have a gathering of students and. And putting things together just to fill up that time. That may have led to a, a larger percentage of students that are walking away from the faith once they graduate. Where they aren't engaging in a faith that is really radically changing their lives. And you've been studying students and you've been hearing from youth leaders. You've, you've looked at percentages of, of various different things. What are some things that are you're learning in regards to students and their engagement with the Bible.
0: As we realized that Bible engagement uh, might be something that we should explore, we asked uh, about 3,000 students about their experience with the Bible, uh, middle school through high school, and found some really interesting things. So we asked, the first question that we asked in regards to Bible engagement was, or the statement, I should say, is, the statement was, I believe that the Bible is important and students could either strongly agree all the way down to strongly disagree. And 95% of students strongly agreed that the Bible is important. So that's a really encouraging number and, uh, kind of makes us feel good. Like, okay, good. Our students are on the right track. But the next, uh, question was how often do you read your Bible? And, uh, only 12% of students said that they read it four or more times a week which is a radically lower number than that 95%. So suddenly there's this disconnect. There's this huge gap between what students know, you know, they know the Bible is important, but they're not reading it. So how do we make up that? What is that? 83%. How do we make up that, that difference between, you know, the majority say, okay, I, I find value or I know I'm supposed to believe it's important, but I'm not regularly engaging with it. Um and so a couple of the other numbers that we found is forty-one percent said that they never read their Bible. So even though so many say that's important, you know, almost half of them say I'm never reading and I'm never picking it up, even though it's so accessible on my phone or there's probably a Bible in my home, if not two or three or four, I'm never picking it up every day. Um and then and, and just never engaging it. But these are kids that are going to a Christian camp. So what are we doing wrong? Um, And then the last number that we found is 41% of them said that the reason why they don't read it is because they don't know where to start. So suddenly we go from this shift of, you know, being annoyed or angry that things aren't working to, okay, maybe there's something that we as the youth ministry community aren't doing or we're missing to help students know more about the Bible.
2: You mentioned earlier um, something I think about, like, weight loss, you Mm -hmm. know, and and this idea of not knowing where to start, that the whole weight loss industry is, is built on answering that one question. How do, you, how do you just begin to build the momentum to do that? How do you begin to build the momentum to, to lose weight? So in terms of discipleship and getting involved in the Bible, answering that question of where to start seems to be really important. You mentioned the four more times number, 12% four more times. Where does the number four come from?
0: there's a study that was done that says when uh, students read the Bible four or more times a week. So I'd say that that's a, would be considered like regular engagement. You know, it's every other day or more than every other day, um, that their likelihood of engaging in, um, you know, drinking alcohol or doing drugs or looking at pornography just goes down by crazy percentages. Whereas their, percentages or their likelihood to share their faith or memorize scripture um, or disciple other people around them goes way up. So there's something about, you know, the power of habit, which I know we all know is nothing new. That the more you're doing it, the more you're engaging and, and learning about God and learning who he is, the more that's going to shine through in your every day.
1: There's also this fear of like, well, it doesn't seem fun or uh, I, don't, I don't think my students would get into reading the Bible as often as you are stating. And so it, it, it's kind of like discrediting the students already. Like, I don't, I don't believe that that is even possible. Are you seeing that students are wanting to engage in the Bible?
0: We are seeing students take a step forward from where they are right now. So the student that's never opened his or her Bible isn't all of a sudden, you know, clearing the New Testament in three days. But what they are doing is reading once a week or reading twice a week, which if you've read zero times a week and you're reading once a week, you've read the Bible 52 more times in 2018 than you did in 2017. I think God will use that. So uh, yeah, it's a little discouraging in the beginning. You know, sometimes I struggle to be in a regular four or five or six times a week reading my Bible. You know, we all go through those seasons. So I think it's knowing your students and knowing that, you know, you can't expect zero to 60 in two in two or three seconds. What you can expect is, hey, I'm going to give you something, provide a, a resource for you to get you one step ahead of where you are right now.
2: And that really brings you to the, the role you're playing here at Never the Same. You're you're stepping alongside youth ministries and youth workers to help them engage students in the Bible, right? Right. And talk about how that's going, what you're doing.
0: Coming into Never the Same, uh, just about a year ago, my main goal, like you said, is to come alongside youth pastors and to equip them with something to help them with this process. So uh, not necessarily another curriculum, but but a system that will uh, equip churches to engage students in in God's word and then in spiritual disciplines as well. So we call that soul exercises here. And uh, it is uh, a system that we've created where students read the Bible individually throughout the week, talk about it in the large group context of their youth group meeting, and then talk about it in their small groups as well. So it's this uh, cohesive plan or system where students are, are reading, but then they're also following up with their groups um, throughout the week. So that's really what I do.
1: One of the beauties about Soul Exercises is bringing students together that are on various different faith journeys where one may be super engaged and one may not be engaged at all. Talk about how Soul Exercises does that specifically.
0: When I share, when I've been sharing, you know, and I say youth pastors are are maybe missing it or our youth community is missing it. I mean, I'm right there. I had those frustrations and that is, you know, I didn't share this earlier, but that's really also why being here so much resonated with me is because I had so many frustrations where I would preach my heart out and I would try and get students to be engaged, but then they would walk out of youth group. and, And I'd see on Twitter, you know, a half hour later that they, it was like, they hadn't just been in church. And it's like, how, what am I doing wrong and why am I not reaching them? You know, why is is this not um, connecting? And I also had the opportunity while I was my uh, youth pastor for a little while to be the 11th grade girl small group leader because we lost a small group leader. And so um, I'm sitting in that room, you know, I've, I've just preached and I've got consistently maybe eight girls. And and I just was amazed by the difference in spiritual maturity just in that small group of girls, so I always I, I share this story. I had a girl whose name was Lindsay as well, and uh, she just was totally sold out for Jesus. You know, was born and in church the next day, knew the Bible back to front. You know, just just such a uh, wise wise eleventh grader is now serving in ministry, um, in college and just, just amazing. And I was so thankful to know her and to serve with her. And then on the other side of the room, I had this girl, Alyssa, who had been coming to youth group for, you know, two or three weeks and only came to youth group because she knew a guy there that she liked and, you know, wanted to spend time with him. And she knew he came to youth group every Wednesday night. And so she started coming too. And so suddenly, you know, this quote unquote, amazing word from the Lord that I had given, you know, just 20 minutes before I had to find some way to connect to Lindsay, who's got, you know, the most Holy Spirit anointed answer for everything. And Alyssa, who has no idea who Jesus is and is only here because of that guy. And I, I was at a loss for how I connected my message and these questions to two people who are in such radically different places. We've seen that issue and we see the the reality that probably every small group leader has dealt with, which is why we've introduced this phase system where regardless of where you are at in your spiritual maturity, uh, you can engage in this system and um, read and and be a part of it and come back with something. So you choose, students choose their level of commitment, but still have something to contribute in the group.
2: I would say in my experience too, the number one thing that I hear about from youth workers trying to disciple students is is trying to handle the varying uh, spectrum of where students are, even like you're saying, Lindsay, in a a small group. Right now, I'm a sixth-grade guy small group leader, and man, that is the case for sure. I've got some students that are ready with the the Bible answer, and then other kids are just, you know, who knows what's going on in their minds. And um, so we have all these different students, even in a not even a youth group context, but like a small group context where they're just all over the map. And that is one of the beauties of, you're talking about the phase system. And um, so let's dive into soul exercises. What what are you doing with youth ministries to help them with the overall discipleship issue, solving that through getting involved in Scripture? What are the ways that's working out in the different environments of a youth ministry?
0: One of the things we feel like, Makes soul exercises unique is the cohesiveness of, uh, bringing students from what they do individually throughout the week into the youth group setting. So a devotional is great. And, and we can encourage, you know, I always used to end my sermons with pray and read your Bible, pray and read your Bible, but then I would just send them off and say, you know, almost like a pat on the back. Good luck. There you go. And, and never maybe even followed up with it when they got back the next week. So it's a three part, like I said, cohesive thing that, that makes brings it all together. So students are reading individually throughout the week. So they choose which phase they want to be a part of, how often they want to engage in scripture, uh, whether it be one time a week or five times a week. They come back and it's talked about in their large group. So maybe some questions that they had are answered through that message. And then it's also talked about in their small group where they can actually sit down and discuss if their questions didn't get answered or something that they struggled with or something that was new to them. Um, and, and everybody has something to say. Everybody can be a part of the conversation. And that's, that's built in accountability because everybody is coming back, you know, ready to share what they learned that week.
2: What are you hearing from youth workers that are doing it? You've got students all over the country involved in soul exercises. What are you hearing? What feedback are you getting from youth workers?
0: We've heard great things from people. Somebody was sharing with me a couple weeks ago, he I was actually at uh, a conference I was at and he wasn't going to be able to be back the next morning for Sunday to teach and, and walk through soul exercises. But he said, Oh, look, and he showed me his phone and he had text messages from the student that was going to be teaching that morning. And he said, if this text said, Hey, I'm ready. I'm super excited. You know, asked a couple logistical questions. So students are really taking ownership. Uh, not only that, but you know, we say it's a discipleship system or, or, uh, program for students but inevitably it becomes a, a discipleship tool or system for leaders too because something that people will ask me is well where are the questions for my small group leaders you know how do how do they lead these discussions these small group discussions and I just say there are there are no questions because the questions are in those readings so as the leaders are reading too they're being discipled and they're you know coming to the table with some questions, but probably a little more insight than maybe what the students have. And so there's this dual discipleship going on where the leaders are learning alongside the students. So we've been hearing that too, which is really cool.
2: And that's unique too, because it positions the youth worker in a completely different angle, more from a teacher to being a guide, right? With the students. Right. And that I, I love that about the, uh, the way it works, because then when adults are working with students, they're walking alongside of them instead of kind of trying to pull them along and teaching them. It's more of being a guide, but doing it right out of scripture, which is amazing.
0: And then there's just more ownership on the students level because the students know that the small group leader isn't coming with all the uh, answers. You know, they've done the same thing throughout the week. So there's more of a partnership there. And and, like you said, learning and journeying through it together.
2: So for someone listening, Lindsay, that's Possibly interested in learning more about Soul Exercises. Tell us briefly, what is it? What does it cover? I mean, you're talking about them reading the Bible. What's that that mean as far as the scope of that? And then where do they go to find out more?
0: So Soul Exercises is a system where students have the opportunity to go through the entirety of Scripture. We talked about earlier about when students, you know, enter youth ministry and then leave and the youth pastor's deepest desires for them to be discipled. Well, when students go through soul exercises, they will have gone through and learned and read about every major theme, character, story, and event in the Bible. So they really do go through um, the entirety, the whole scope and sequence of, of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, uh, and, They get to do that in the context of individual reading, so personal ownership, personal commitment through groups, community, and then on a consistent basis, which really leads to life transformation and being equipped um, as a Christ follower. So if people want to know more about it, if they want to be a part of it, soulexercises.com is the place to go. Uh, It's going to be available this summer in an app format on the App Store, uh, as well as in printed guide version if you have any questions, you can email me at info at soulexercises.com.
2: In my 25 years of working with students, I would say the number one thing in in all that I've done, all that I've learned, all that I've experienced working with literally thousands of students is this. Engaging them in the Bible is should be our most important priority with students. And Lindsay jumping in to Never the Same and being passionate about helping us that work with students become true disciple-makers is is so critical to what we're doing in in this movement of, of as we're building the kingdom of God in this generation of students. Let me encourage you, as you listen to this, to consider your role and what you do to disciple students. Lindsay pointed out something really interesting, is most kids realize that they... They want to know more about God. They think the Bible is important. But just like picking up a huge science textbook, they look at the Bible as this overwhelming volume of material. Where do they go? Where do they start? And, and Soul Exercises is great because it gives us a plan as youth workers to know not only where to start, but where to finish. Having friends in, in, in the teaching in public schools, they talk about a specific way they want to take students through. And when when they graduate, they know this, they know this, they've experienced this, they've tested this score and done all this. And what I think it really should help us as youth workers encourage us to do is to say, okay, we've got students for this amount of years. What are we going to have them experience? What are the markers? And I think basing that around Scripture and their engagement I think, it, to me, is number one. There's nothing that's more important. So, Lindsay, thank you for what you do, and we hope that you go to soulexercises.com and stay involved in the journey. You also have a presence, I know, on Facebook and other social media as well. But we shared this today because this is important to us. Our, our If you go back in our list of podcasts, you go back to the very first episode in Season 1. It was about Bible engagement. It, it's, It's central to what we do as an organization because we believe it's that important, that it matters, that nothing we will do will lead to more transformation than when students are in Scripture. So we hope that that is an encouragement to you to consider your role in how you're discipling students and how the Bible integrates into that way that you're doing that.
3: The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org.